Well, good morning to you. Maranatha. Our Lord comes. What a delight it is to know that truth and embrace that truth. Well, this morning I want us to continue with our study of Christ of the book. This morning I want us to look at Deuteronomy, Christ of the book. In the volume of the book in Hebrews 10, 7, he says, it's written of me. And so what we're doing this morning is we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy and all of the places that it refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many, there are many. As a matter of fact, you're going to feel this morning that we're already, I mean, we're all over the place in this study. If you were to see my notes, you would think, how in the world is he following these notes? Well, no, it's, for with God, all things are possible. And that's about what it's going to take to get through this, because uh, I have a line going from here to here to remind me to say this, because the more I study, uh, the more I think, oh, i got to mention this, i got to mention that. So, basically, all over the place. But in the book of Deuteronomy, we have Christ being the ruler. And one of the things we're going to see as we study this book is that probably in this book, more than any of the other ones that, that uh, Moses is the author of, of course, we know it's the Holy Spirit, but uh, uh, the first five books of the Bible are referred to as the Pentateuch or the Torah, and, and uh, Moses is the author. But possibly in the book of Deuteronomy, there are more where Moses is a type of Christ than any of the others. And it is just a remarkable, remarkable study, uh, primarily uh, in, in Deuteronomy 5. I know, Tim, I gave you another verse, but look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. To kind of give you a, a, a taste or a feel of what we're going to look at here in this book, as we see Moses being a type of Christ throughout the book, Verse 4 and verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 5, The Lord talked with you face to face, face to faith in the mount out of the midst of the fire. And this is Moses saying, And I stood between the Lord and you at that time. Moses is talking to the children of Israel. To show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up to the mount, saying, and he goes on and talks about the fact that God said, I am the Lord thy God, I am Jehovah thy Elohim, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. There shall ha have no other gods before me. So throughout this book, it is God declaring to the nation of Israel exactly who he is. It is Moses reminding them that he is the one that stands between almighty, righteous, holy God and the nation of Israel who are not holy, not righteous. And so from that perspective, Moses is a type of Christ throughout this, throughout this book. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, we find that, that Christ is the ruler. And it is in Israel's best interest to obey and if they obey they will live if they disobey they will die 
The entire book of Deuteronomy is written in a month. Remember, numbers of uh, Exodus was written uh, in a year, and then Leviticus was written in a month, and Numbers was written over 40 years, or at least the duration, the, the time that it covered. And Deuteronomy is also a month in duration. And it's during this time that Moses reminds the children of Israel where they have come from and where they are going. It is in the book of Deuteronomy that, that Moses rehearses the curses from God should they disobey and the blessings from God should they obey. One if they disobey, the other if they, they obey. The book of Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance. Moses continues to remind this generation of where they came from. Remember, this generation, as is, is Moses is pinning this book, this is the generation that has gone through the wilderness 40 years. They were the children of those that refused to trust God and by faith go in and take the land that God had promised them because there were giants in the land. Forget the fact that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Forget the fact that God had shown himself strong on their behalf on so many occasions. But there were giants, and so they were fearful and refused to trust God when God was wanting them to say, you're going to fight for us. You're the one that protects us. You're the captain of the host. Matter of fact, when we get to Joshua next week, that's one of the highlights of Joshua. It's one of the reasons I, I just like Joshua so much. I mean, there are so many people I want to see and meet and, and enjoy uh, when I get to heaven. But I'm telling you, one of my biblical heroes is Joshua. What a man's man he is. And especially when he stands before the captain of the host. And he comes to the captain of the host. Well, we'll talk about that next Sunday. Because <laughs> it's, it's good. Man, I, I like Joshua. But here, all the way through the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding these children of where they've been, that they were those, the children of those who had disobeyed, had refused to trust God, and he reminds them of things like, in the wilderness, God supplied your food. Now, you may have complained about eating manna. You may have complained about being thirsty from time to time, but what did God always do? He supplied he supplied. And it's in Deuteronomy that God that 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 they were God reminds the children of Israel in that forty years that you were traveling and walking to the promised land, your shoes never wore out. Now, supplying manna from heaven we think is a miracle, yeah. Getting water out of a, a rock, you look up miracle in the dictionary and that, that ought to be there. But I can tell you another miracle. Their shoes didn't wear out. That's a miracle. That's one of the blessings of God that I'm protecting you, I'm watching over you. And God has demonstrated His power, His might, His love, His graciousness, His mercy so many times to this generation. 
but also his judgment. His judgment for their unbelief, his judgment on them for lack of faith was also pretty harsh. See, that's the way it is when God makes himself known and so real that judgment is immediate. I know there, when we talked about this during Sunday school, there are so many people that will say, well, if God would just show himself strong on our behalf right now, if a miracle would just take place, if God wants me to believe, then God, make this miracle such and such happen. Then I'm going to believe. Well, number one, I doubt if you would. Number two, it's not the way God does things. In this present dispensation, God's mercy and love and graciousness is poured out in abundance, and judgment is put off. Now, during this time, judgment was immediate. It was immediate. You disobeyed, and there was judgment that fell. You don't want that to happen now. You should be thankful for God's grace and His mercy. As a matter of fact, the Scripture talks about the fact that the judgment here was so harsh on those that did not believe that part of their judgment, and this, this is a verse that's so misunderstood and so misused over and over and over again, is that that judgment would be poured out on generations to come because you couldn't have taken it. You know that verse that says that God's going to pour out His generation on the sons and, and from generation to generation to generation. They talk about, well, generational sin and these people. It's because God is spreading that judgment out. That's an act of grace. That's an act of mercy. That's an act of love. Because these people could not have stood it had God in His wrath said, that's it, no more. And when God did say that, it was Moses stepping up and saying, please, blot me out instead. I stand between you and the children of Israel. Hey, talk about a type of Christ. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus has done on our behalf. Done on our behalf. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. It's in the book of Deuteronomy that Moses points out, in verse 24, that Jehovah thy Elohim is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Now the one thing that ticked God off, the one thing that he would not tolerate, with the children of Israel is how they broke the very first commandment over and over and over again. See, God takes His commandments seriously. And when He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, what did Israel go and do? They worshiped other gods, not just other gods, they worship gods that Satan himself had designed and devised. And there was so much sexual perversion, there was so much uh, evil that was wrapped up in this. And demonic demon worship and child sacrifice and, and so much that the children in the land 
the, the citizens, the inhabitants of the land were committing. And God, for their own good, was saying, have no other gods before me. See, when it says God's a jealous God, in this case, jealousy is a good thing because he loves his people so much, he understood there are no other gods. Those ones you're bowing to, those ones you're worshiping, that rock, that tree, that pole, they don't exist. They don't have eyes to see you and love you. They don't have ears to hear you and love you. They're not alive. They're dead. I'm a jealous God. Not because I'm egotistical, but because I'm loving. And I want you to know there are no other gods. You're wasting your time. I am the true and living God. All the way through Deuteronomy, he points that out. Christ comes and says, I and the Father are one. He wanted to be worshipped, wanted us to know who he is. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the point that God's had all, all through this. This time is to make sure his people know that he and he alone is the true and living God. That he's jealous. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Talking about those folks that are in Canaan. Verse 2, talking about those lands. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, really end of the conversation. They would have said, you know what? He said that when he delivers them, so that's good enough for us. God said it. That settles it. It's going to happen. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, and thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter shall not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away, not maybe, not perhaps, they will. And in the book of Numbers, we had already seen how that was Satan's plan. Just introduce them to your wives and let them practice. Let them draw them in. And that'll destroy them. That was Satan's ploy. He used Balak to do that. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Talk about immediate. See, God in His graciousness is warning His people, this is going to happen. Trust me. Believe me. Love me. Serve me. Obey me. Oh, there are so many good things that are going to come, but don't do this. For if you do this, there is immediate judgment. And I say that to say this. Don't you praise God for this present dispensation? I know I do. I, I, know, I, I know what the temptation, and I know the sins, and I, I know what Satan is, is capable of doing. But here's what I do know that was never said back here. 
where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that truth today? That's not an excuse to go hot diggity. Man, I am so glad that got the green light. No, you don't. No, you don't. But the truth of the matter is, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where the evidence, where the word, where the message to these children of Israel that are about to go in and occupy the land was to trust God, to believe God. See, what God understood as you go through all this is that those that possessed the land, the inhabitants of Canaan and all of these tribes, they were all part of the demonic horde. They were all part of Satan's second disruption, corruption, just like with Noah, when the sons of God went into the daughters of men, again, I think it was fallen angels that did the exact same thing in the land. Once the land was identified, Satan went in, and the same corruption, the same sin, the same evil took place. That's why God says, when you go into the land, and people say, God, you're so harsh here. Well, they were demonic. The seed of Satan was here trying to trying to stop the seed of the woman that was going to bring salvation. And God told Moses, you kill the men, you kill the women, you kill the children, you kill the cattle, you kill everything. Everything was perverted. And there's no difference in that in God saying, I'm going to cause a flood. Because that seed of Satan had to be stopped. Because the line of Christ could not have come through that satanic line. There you might be saying, Rick, you've been watching too many science fiction movies. But folks, that's accurate. That is true. That's what was going on. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 1 and 2. What an invitation God has. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and to the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, for to do them that you may live and go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers gives you. And you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. He was sending, sending them in to serve, to serve God, to be a testimony. And clearly, the message throughout Deuteronomy as ruler, obey him and live, disobey him and die, shows that Moses was definitely a type of Christ. Matter of fact, Moses held the position of prophet. He held the position of priest. And he holds the position of king throughout the book of, of Deuteronomy. All pointing to Christ. All, all pointing to Christ. 
Look at Deuteronomy 18. I want us to understand this connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and again, this just shows you how merciful, how merciful God is. How, and if you know His Word, there's protection. And if you know His Word, there's understanding. When you study His Word, you know that God has your best interest in mind at heart. Because He leaves nothing at choice. He didn't, make you, didn't leave you scratching your head wondering, now how does this relate? But God wanting His people here, they're about to go in and, and take the land. They're about to go in and enter the land and occupy the land that God says, this is your land. What a blessing. What an opportunity. What a gift. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. You tell me who you think this is pointing to, and then I'll show you in the Scripture that tells you exactly who it's pointing to. And the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken. Who do you think that is? It's the Lord Jesus. And you go, well, can you, can you prove that? Look at Acts chapter 7. And I, and I point this out, folks, just so that you understand. God didn't want to leave you confused. He didn't, leave you, he didn't want you to worry, wondering about what his plan is. But Stephen, as he was speaking to the Sanhedrin, when he was speaking before the Sadducees and the religious leaders, and they were about to stone him, and they were just mean, nasty, evil people, and he was preaching to them, in Acts chapter 7, verse 35, he reminds them of this quote that Moses used way back then. And believe me, they, they honored Moses. To them, Moses basically was a god. You didn't say anything bad about Moses or he got you stoned. But verse 35, this Moses whom they refused saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. And he brought them out. After that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses who had said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, and your brethren like unto me, him shall you hear. And Moses says, That's what was being declared in the assembly in the wilderness, and the one that he was talking about is the one that I stand before you today declaring the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting what set Moses off. And that would have made me mad too. Um, look at Acts 6. This is always kind of ticked me a little bit, and I think it ticked Stephen. Acts chapter 6, verse 14. Those of the synagogue and, and those that religious leaders. Well, look at verse 11 of 
Then they suborned men which said that we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and called him and brought him to the council. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceased not to seek to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, and I, maybe it's just my imagination, but I can imagine these hypocrites, these whited sepulchers, these vipers that Christ called them, just, just said this Jesus with vitriol, with kind of let it spit out of their mouths, this Jesus. Well, in chapter 7, I think Stephen just spits it right back at them. This Moses, you refuse Moses in the wilderness. So don't act so spiritual. Don't act so godly. You rejected Moses in the wilderness. I think he even used that same phrase, this Moses, because they had talked about this Jesus. Looking forward to meeting Stephen too. But it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, when Moses declared, he promised them, he told them. And with God, a thousand years is like a day, and today is like a thousand years. Time means nothing to God. He's going to bring about his purpose. And you can trust him as he does it. What we need to realize is that throughout the book of Deuteronomy, we see Moses as a figure or a type of Christ from the standpoint that he was endangered at birth. Our Lord was endangered at birth at the hands of Herod. Moses was endangered at the hands of Pharaoh. Remember that his mother had to put him in a, a little boat and push it off into the, into the Nile and just trust God with it? Pharaoh was going to kill the children. Moses, his brethren, rejected him. Our Lord's brethren rejected him. It is Moses that saves and delivers the nation of Israel. Christ Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Savior. He is Deliverer. And all through the book of Deuteronomy, we just see a type of Christ and His goodness and His mercy and the plan of God as ruler. Trust me, that confidence in my ability. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know we kind of go backwards and then we go forwards. Oh, and by the way, 1 Corinthians 10, 2, Paul talks about those that came through the Red Sea, refers to them as being baptized into Moses. Being baptized into Moses. We, as members of the dispensation of the grace of God, members of the body of Christ, we have been baptized into Christ, sealed into the day of redemption. What a what a position. I mean, and that, that type of thing just goes on and on and on. It's all the 
the similarities. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Start with verse 1. Because it's all so good. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it. Again, God didn't say, maybe you're going to possess it. Well, let's hope you possess it. God is saying, you're going to possess it. That's where their faith came in. Let's, let's just trust God. And basically, they're going to have another Red Sea crossing similarity. Not the same thing, but the Jordan River. The Jordan River is going to be at flood stage. We'll talk about that next week too. But it's, and it's really good. Verse 2, that you might fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, that, that you and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may dwell with thee, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Um, in chapter 8, you know, keep your finger there, chapter 6, we're going to come back. But I think it's in... It, one of the chapters where God talks about, I, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be your God. And, and the promises there are just astounding. But back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of thy might. See, here's the voice of Moses in the wilderness saying exactly what Christ is going to say when he comes on the scene. God himself. Christ is quoting this verse. When they say, what's the greatest commandment? Which commandment is the greatest? The Lord Jesus quotes this one. Don't you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? Love your neighbors, yourself. This is what the Lord's quoting. And not only are you to love the Lord with all your heart, whoa, what a commandment this is. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, dads and moms, the Word of God is to be important to you, important enough that your children actually observe how much you love God and you love His Word. The lesson from here is that you teach your children that the Word of God is absolutely important to you. Therefore, your children are going to see that. And you teach them with purpose that they know the importance of the Word of God. Anyway, you teach them diligently unto your children. You talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, 
It's a constant thing. Verse 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be a frontlet between thy eyes, so no one is going to misunderstand. This person loves God. He loves his word. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Boy, you do all that. What does that say to your children? The Bible is important to you and that you love God. And then it means something and it's to be trusted. Well, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. This one, the Lord Jesus basically quotes, quotes all of that. Look at Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy God. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God's, the earth also, and all that's therein. Only the Lord had delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which guards not, regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. In other words, you can't bribe God. You can't bribe God. Verse 20 says you need to fear him. See, God was preparing the children of Israel through Moses to enter the promised land as his nation of priests, as his holy people, his peculiar people, for God to rule and reign in their hearts. That's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. Where Numbers is a book of wandering, the book of Deuteronomy is a book of remembrance of how good God is of all that God plans on doing on your behalf. And people, and there's so much more, but people, the, the one thing I want to make sure you understand is God tells us in His Word why He loves Israel. Why He loves Israel. What did Israel do to qualify for these special favors? You ever been interested in that? You ever wondered about that? Why the Jews? Why, why this group of people did God choose? I mean, they were ahead of you. Let me tell you, they were ahead of you. Probably no more than the Gentiles would have been because <laughs> they're human. But Deuteronomy 7 tells us why. Look at verse 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord, here you go, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, 
for you are the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God is a God, the faithful God, which keeps the covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's, that's the God that they're dealing with here. And Moses wants to make sure they understand. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we find the Lord is the one who leads them. It is the Lord who humbles them for their own good. It is the Lord who preserves them all the way through. It is God who does the work. It is God who does the blessings. And again, in 1017, it's a reminder that he is the Elohim of Elohims. He is the Jehovah of Jehovah's. And the proof is in all that he had done to preserve them in the wilderness. At times, they were not faithful. But without exception, their holy God was. And this book portrays Christ as the rock. This book portrays Christ as their refuge, as the refuge. And all through this book, every one of the attributes, the characteristics of God are talked about. Whether it be His faithfulness, whether it be the God who preserves, whether it be the God who delivers and strengthens and heals and judges, Every revealed attribute of God you can find in the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses was a type of that as he showed incredible leadership and character and faithfulness. You look at Exodus where God is all-powerful, that he is the deliverer speaks of the faithfulness of God. Leviticus speaks of the separation, the holiness of God. Number speaks of the long-suffering of God. There's, De there's Deuteronomy that speaks of the graciousness. It gives them an answer why God has brought them this 40 years, who has led them who has ruled over them in order that they might enjoy, obtain all of the mighty things that God has in store for them. I think one of the things that's interesting about the book of Deuteronomy as you study is Moses, Moses was not a man that you would have chosen to follow. Mankind wouldn't have said, oh, there's Moses. He's pretty unique. Let's follow him. As a matter of fact, from his own testimony, he says, I was slow of speech. I was slow of tongue. Moses says, Lord, Lord, I can't do this. I, there, there was nothing about Moses that man would say, hey, let's rally to Moses. 
Wow, there's a man's man for you. There was nothing but Moses' life except for faithfulness and love for God. Mankind would say, we're looking for someone who is strong-willed, who is forceful. But according to the Scripture, Moses was the meekest man to ever live. The meekest man to ever live. You know what the Scripture says about Christ? That there was nothing desirable about Him. Not His appearance. Especially after He was beaten, He was so uh, marred and so beaten that He was not even recognizable. But there was nothing comely about Him. Yet no man spake as He spoke. But again, there is that comparison of how God used Moses as a testimony of what his future hopes, plans, purpose was for this nation that God had called out just so that he can set his love on them and his mercy on them. Uh, real quick, Deuteronomy chapter 21. You know, and I know that there's, there's so much that we... Deuteronomy 21 is an interesting verse that we need to mark, that we need to understand the prophecy, the purpose of this verse. Verse 22, Deuteronomy 21. If a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and you hang him on a tree, hmm, kind of interesting and you hang him on a tree his body shall not remain all night upon the tree but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day for he that is hanged is accursed of God that thy land be not defiled which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance you think that was just a coincidence you think that was just, well, what did God mean by that? Well, we know what God meant by that because Galatians talks about the fact that Christ Jesus did what? He became a curse for us, for as the Scripture says, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Even back then, as God was dictating, as God was writing upon Moses' heart, actually it was the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the Word, Right? We have the written word and we have the living word. And this was the Lord Jesus. But this again is to prove that what's going to come is that one that is the great deliverer. He is the great ruler. He is the great justifier. He's the one that's so gracious and loving that he was willing to become a curse for us. And if a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, Kind of underline that, because as we study the life of the Lord Jesus, there was no sin worthy of death, right? Perfect, spotless, innocent. He was not worthy of death. 
avoid. I am. You are. And he became a curse for me. If any man hang, if he's committed a sin worthy of death, and you that death is that was reserved for the vilest, for the worst of sinners. If he hangs on a tree, this is from, from Moses from Deuteronomy, let him be accursed. And we know from God's blessed word that Christ hung on a cross for us. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are for your word, how it points us to the Lord Jesus, how it directs us to know more about you and your amazing, wonderful love for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can study Father, there's so much more deep, meaningful, glorious things that are contained within just this one book. And Father, I pray that the people here will desire to study your word and to delve deeper into all the truths that it contains. Father, as it reveals your love for us, your expectation of man, but Father, how it all points to the one who would one day be the Savior of all men. And I pray, Father, that every person who's here today by faith has trusted Christ as their Savior. Father, every person who's gathered here this morning is a Gentile. Father, we know from Scripture that we were without hope. We were alienated from Israel. Father, all the things that it says here, Father, it, it, it wasn't going to apply to us unless Israel got on the ball and believed, and received all the blessings that you had promised. But we know, Father, Christ came into his own, and his own received him not. The nation of Israel said, we will not have this man to reign over us. But God, in your infinite mercy, in your grace, you offer salvation to whosoever will. Let him come. Oh, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your great love. Father, that you're not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And Father, I pray that there's somebody here this morning that does not know you, that they will not leave this building. They will not even get up out of their seat. They will not take another breath. before they say, yes, Lord, I believe you died for me. Father, I trust that the work of Christ on Calvary's cross is pavement in full for my sin. Lord, I believe. I trust you today. Father, I pray that that's the prayer on everyone's lips here today as they come to know you as Savior. Thank you that heaven awaits. Thank you, Father, that we can trust. That we can claim to be yours. And it's in that name that's above all other names. 
in the name of the one that every knee is going to bow to and every tongue is going to confess to for your glory, Father. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.